Congratulations, you made it to the Xfil. You can relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us for that journey. Short hideout keeping today, because it is a guest episode. So the only thing that I have for you today is I want you all to know we are now up on Facebook. We're getting all of the episodes rendered and uploaded there, basically one per day. So if you are on Facebook, help us out. Or if you've sworn it off and you only use your wife or your significant other's phone to browse and stalk on your friends and family, please log on your account just once for us. Like, follow, share, do the Facebook thing for us. You guys are amazing as always. If you can give us a little boost on Facebook, thank you. It's XP Media Now on Facebook. So that's it. That's all we got for hideout keeping. Support for this show is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Save 20% and get free shipping with code XFIL. That's E-X-F-I-L at Manscaped.com. All the way through the holiday season, 20% off free shipping. Other ways to support the show, share it with a friend. For those of you that want to support directly, we do have a Patreon for that. The best thing you can do for us, though, is just mention the show. Tell somebody about it. If you see somebody new to the game, let them know. You can find us on all of the social media channels. You can find us on YouTube. And if you're looking for me personally, you can find me on Twitch and Twitter at MTB Trigger. And you can always, always find me in Discord. But that's all for me. Ronald, how are you, man? Let these fine folks know how to get in touch with you. And why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest as well? Hey, what's up, everybody? Doing fantastic. Looking forward to uh, tonight's episode. The best way to get a hold of me is always in Discord. Go ahead and tag me in a message or send me a DM. We're checking Discord all day long and talking to people on a pretty regular basis. If you have any questions about your PC or trying to get uh, maybe some new PC parts for the holiday season coming up, check out the hardware upgrade section in Discord. It's been pretty active. We've got myself and a number of other people answering questions, helping people build new PCs for, uh, you know, for Christmas coming up. Also making that switch from console to PC and picking up PUBG or Tarkov or, you know, anything else. We've got a number of people playing a number of different games. Check out the hardware area. We're here to help you if you have any questions. You can also follow me on the Twitters at Ronald Gaming. And of course, you can find me hanging out in stream uh, watching Trigger a couple times a week and watching actually our uh, guest this week a couple times a week as well. And besides that, if you have something more formal, you can always email the show at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. That's the uh, business side of XP Media. Get a hold of us there. But that's it for Hideout Keeping. We are very, very excited tonight. As Trigger mentioned, we have a very special guest, someone who was with us in episode seven of the Xville. So you can go back on YouTube or your favorite podcast app and find his very first appearance on the show back then. This week is pretty exciting, though, because you may find him playing drums on stream or owning people in Tarkov or, you know, doing something fun. 
But Dottie Hack, we're glad to have you on the show, sir. Welcome, and it's great to see you, man. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me again. It's been a pleasure. I have been so excited to touch base with you guys again. Yeah, I am really looking forward to getting into this tonight. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I was laughing because I was sitting there thinking about it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. And I think part of that is because I know, Eric, you you hang out in his Twitch a lot. I try to stop in from time to time. And every time we come in there, or at least every time I go in there, I feel like we always end up having a conversation about something. You know, obviously you're streaming and I'm in chat, but we always have this like little little moment there of talking about whatever's going on. And because of that, it's like, man, has it really been 43 episodes <laughs> since we had Dottie on? Like that blew my mind before we started. That's been a long time, man. You guys have just been cranking it out show after show. Like, I'm loving the success that you guys are getting. And like, I just, it's just going to continue to get better, man. I'm so excited for you guys. And thank you guys again for having me on. Yeah, it's awesome to have you here. I always joke that I only really subscribe to two Twitch channels, and that's uh, you and Geek. And I'm contractually obligated to subscribe to Triggers. So <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's awesome, man. I, I love your community. Uh, we definitely love what you have going on, love uh, your positivity and love watching what you do, man. So it's really great to have you here and uh, talk some Tarkov tonight and maybe some other yeah. stuff. We'll see. I'm ready. Let's get into it. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you that maybe you started listening to the show uh, more recently or you haven't gone back and listened to the back catalog, I do want to let you know that it was a much more interview format when we had Dottie on. And this is actually a really cool story. So the person that introduced me to Tarkov was named Dadcaster. And we had Dadcaster on the show. He was also an early guest on the show. And he's like, hey, I know somebody that you guys should have on the show. He'd be great. And that was our first introduction to Dottie, made the connection, and it it happened in like a day. I mean, it was like, hey, how's it going? Hey, you want to come on the show? Yep. Okay, let's do this thing. And because of that, we were finding out about you as much as you were finding out about us. So if you haven't listened to that episode, make sure you go back to episode seven, and it would even be good like right now to go listen to that because there's a ton of background info. And, you know, so it does help us if you listen all the way through. So don't go back yet, but go back and listen to it at some point. But anyway, there's a lot of awesome info on Dottie. It was great to have him on back then. Great to have him back now. But we're not going to go deep into the backstory because we've already done that. And for those that have been listening the whole time, we don't want to go through that again. So let's jump into Tarkov, man. Let's talk about kind of state of the game right now. You know, the last couple of patches have been a lot of quality of life stuff. We've gotten some cool features specifically for uh, newer players to the game. We got a new bleed effect. We got a compass. We got all this kind of stuff going on. Is, is there anything that really jumps out to you, even if it's not a big thing? Were you like super impressed with any of the patch or anything that's changed your gameplay at all that's come out recently? I wouldn't say anything specifically that came out in the game. On the quality of life side, though, I know they recently just fixed the late spawns. I can't tell you how frustrating it is getting into a raid and you know you're a minute and a half two minutes three minutes behind the start and like you're on customs and the guys that spawn by junk bridge are already booking it to dorms and everyone's just all over the place and you can't account for where people are going to be based on the spawn that you get so i really have been impressed by battle state's ability to kind of remove that from the game and make that something like as a point of emphasis because it was so crucial for for like your progression through a raid depending on whether you spawned in on time or not 
I know f- I know multiple friends that uh, that play like interchange, for instance. And if you're two minutes late to an interchange raid, kill is already dead and they're already hauling his stuff out to the other extract. So like that's that's how critical it is, like making sure you spawn it on time. So big props to Battlesafe for figuring that out. Because that's just a huge thing that all of us that's affected all of us when we play the when we play Tarkov from time to time. I agree, man. And I think the big maps are less obvious when it comes to exactly how big of an effect a late spawn can happen. And, you know, for somebody new to the game, right, you're not worried about, oh, how much time is in this raid and how late did I spawn, right? When you're new to Tarkov or, you know, maybe still just getting your bearings in Tarkov, you're not worried about that. You don't care, right? (laughs) It's like, okay, there's 40 some minutes left. I got to figure out how to not die. And that bush just made a ton of noise, right? So right. it's it's so detrimental, though, because other players, like, you know, a seasoned player is going to clear spawns. They're going to have a route they want to run depending on the spawn location. And so when you come in late, yeah, you can disrupt it and throw somebody off. But more likely is somebody has already got the jump on you. And I'm thinking of maps like Factory, right? That's That's where it was most obvious to me because I would play Factory all the time. And if I got a late spawn... And it was one of those ones like Glass Hallway or something. And there's a dude right in front of me shooting me as I spawn in. That was brutal. And that's clearly an obvious situation. But to your point, you don't like someone who's learning interchange or learning customs and they've watched a video of somebody running in there and getting high tier loot and they keep running in. And if they get late spawns, they're like there's never any loot here. Well, that's because it's already been, <laughs> you know, there's already been a fight. It's out. Some, you know, hatchet runner or pistol runner went in, yoinked all the loot, and you never knew they were there. That's true. I'll have to I'll have to send you guys a clip sometime. Uh, I think I may have had, like, one of the shortest raids ever on Factory, going back to that glass hallway spawn. And I remember going into a factory. I was late, saw that I was about a minute or a minute and a half late, and then I just fell over dead as soon as I spawned. <laughs> and I'm just like... Why is this still a thing in Tarkov? And this was back in like, <laughs> this was back in like point eleven, point ten, point five, or whatnot. So I'm just, it's always baffled me how that, that, that continued to happen. But you're right. Like a seasoned player, like, like myself, is going to know where all the spawns are on customs. Like, so if I spawn big red side, I know if, if I'm at the land bridge, all right, I can check across. I'm going to check back by the crossroads. Someone might be in big red already or in the garages. But like for the people that are playing Tarkov for the first time or getting used to it, they're not going to know where the spawns are. They're not even they're probably not even going to be familiar with where they are on the map at first. So, yeah, it does make quite a bit of difference when you're asking the type of player it affects when it comes down to those late spawns. Yeah. And it, you talked about how, you know, if you get past where PMCs are or you're not sure exactly where they are, you're trying to clear out those spawns. It's a really big deal. I've, I have a question for both of you. Have you noticed that scav runs, like they fix the PMC spawn problem for the most part? I've noticed that scav running this week, that some interesting things have been having with the scavs. Like I scav in right next to another scav that I'm not in group with. And, you know, they just, it's a player scav and they turn and shoot you or something. It's been really odd. And I'm I'm kind of wondering if that was a side effect of this. Uh, I'm not really sure how, how they could be related, but it's really interesting. It happened to me twice on Factory today, trying to do scavrons on Factory. Spawned in, turned to my left, and boom, dead, because there was a player scav right next to me. I was like, what? It's It's been more prevalent since, you know, they made this fix. So I don't know. It could just be, you know, my computer or whatever, but definitely an interesting byproduct of that. 
I it's happened to me a bit. I would say I have noticed that I haven't been scaving as much recently because I've been working on the Punisher challenge. I have noticed like if I scav interchange a handful of times, I will scav in and there'll be another person that either spawned right next to me or was like within, you know, five to ten yards and they'll go run and like loot a corpse or something. And I'm like, wait, what? Why are they doing that right in front of me? They didn't even know. And it was just like, boom, they're dead. Okay. Oh, it was a player. Okay. And it's just kind of odd. Maybe that is a side effect. I don't know that it's horrible. But again, that's from a, you know, having played this game for a while. Now, if somebody new logs in and just dies <laughs> within, within a minute of scabbing, you'd be like, what? What was going yeah. on? <laughs> yeah. So... Like, I just predominantly scab reserve now at this point, and I've done a couple of those, like, scab army runs where you get your buddies to go in with you. And I, I recall the other day when a four-man four, a four man of us went into, into reserve and we spawned out in the field where the bunkers are. And there was this other player scav, and we're all kind of, like, just looking at each other like, is this guy part of our group? Like, I don't remember seeing him in the loading screen. And then all of a sudden, one of my guys just comes, like, barreling through and then shoots him. And then one of the other guys got confused and was shooting, and we all basically ended up just killing each other <laughs> in this instant. But, like, I did, I have experienced spawning in as a scab and then being immediately, like, surrounded by other player scabs in that general vicinity. So I have seen that more often than I have in the past. Yeah, it, it definitely would be hard for, for new people to the game to deal with that. You'd be like, you wouldn't even understand what happened, right? You know, but... Um... I just, before we, you know, got off the spawn topic, I wanted to ask you both that question, and just because it's been happening quite a bit. Yeah, no, it's good, and it actually has me thinking about uh, something else I wanted to talk about, which is the Punisher Challenge, which I kind of brought up, and we talked about Factory a lot in the last episode, and the new spawning mechanic having to wait for everybody to join at the same time, I started attempting the Factory Punisher Challenge, getting the 30 kills in an hour after this change. And because of that, I was spending a lot more time waiting for lobbies to load. So I also noticed it there, but I didn't experience people loading in late, which if you play Factory in any sort of quantity before this change, you'll remember times where you would hear somebody spawn in. And you'd be like, oh my gosh, they're right around the corner. And you just go kill them. And it's just like what happened to Dottie. Like <laughs> you spawn in and you die. And it's like, oh, this is awful. This doesn't feel good. And so I noticed that, yeah, it's it's hurting my time trial effectively. But there was never instances of people spawning in late, which was kind of nice, actually. So I like it from that perspective. But when you're trying to minimize time out of raid, it was kind of brutal that way. But the reason I wanted to talk about Punisher, Dottie, was you're somebody that plays a lot of the bigger maps, I would say. I see you. I mean, I loved watching you run a lot of interchange. I loved watching you run night raids on Shoreline. Recently, you've been playing a lot of customs. So I know that you're not, I mean, I know you've done labs, I know you do factory and all that, but I, I watch you a lot on those bigger maps. So when you look at something like the Punisher Challenge, which is, you know, you qualify in factory and then it's going to be PvP on labs. I don't want to say that's not your wheelhouse, but it's not something I've seen you do a whole lot of. So is it something that you have an interest in or is it something you're not interested in? Or what do you think about the whole idea behind a PvP challenge like this? Well, firstly, what I think is going to be really unique about this event is the fact that they're going to have specific dedicated servers for this event, which was something that they didn't have in the last event. And when you're talking about a PvP-based tournament like this, the hardest part is having a dedicated server that everyone is is 
playing on to kind of have a consistent a consistent raid, so to speak, or server or whatever the term you want to use. So having that be the case now for this tournament makes it a lot more interesting than the one in the past. Now, as far as like the qualifier goes, I know you and I talked about this a little bit before we got started tonight. A lot of that time is just in and out, loading in and then leaving raids. So like Battle State did a great job of removing like the delay when you would invite somebody or when they would like load into the menu, which was great. But now it seems like, okay, now my game hangs for 30 seconds to a minute, two minutes when I'm trying to leave a raid. So that's just time that's going to eat away at that little qualifier that you have to do. As far as labs goes for this tournament, that's been the PvP map. Like if somebody just wants to throw on a big kit, go into a raid and just shoot everything in sight, like you go to labs. And one of the reasons why I'll play a lot of shoreline or I'll play a lot of customs uh, not so much interchange anymore. It's just because those are the experiences that I I know Tarkov to be. If I wanted to go play like what is essentially a deathmatch, then I'll go into a labs or a factory. But for me, when I'm when I'm still trying to focus on just survival and just going through like the progression of a raid, you know, getting some scabs, trying to find the scab boss, checking various like positions on customs, whether it's the gas station or dorms or stronghold. It's a lot more fluid, and what I notice when I play labs, it's just, and I don't have any key cards either, so it's not like I'm looting anything. I'm just going around chasing shots. As great as that is for Tarkov, like, it's not the all-encompassing vibe that I like to have when I play the game myself, but it's the perfect scenario for a PvP tournament like Pestilis Punisher tournament. So, like, it's going to blow the charts off of the, the the Twitch viewership and the uh, the landscape uh, and and the viewership for the game, so like I'm I'm actually really excited to see it. And I know I talked to you guys before. I don't know if I want to participate, but if I do, I'm just gonna use a Glock. Like I just want give me a pistol. Let me go in there. Let me see what I can do. I don't want to win, but like if I do good, then you know I'll be proud of myself for even showing up for something like that. Right. Well, I was giving you the out if you didn't want to talk about not. <laughs> wanting to participate <laughs> but you didn't take it you threw yourself under the bus so you have to deal with that yep. you get all the backlash <laughs> horns up let's go anyway that's the best twitch emote by the way there's nothing better oh, yeah? than spamming horns in chat dude i love the horns uh, dude, by the way metal is such an underappreciated genre of music because it gets a lot of hate from uh people that don't quite understand it but it is like some of the most wholesome people i've ever met have all come from these these bands of this this genre of music and it is such just a loving tight-knit group everyone's so kind not to like get off the tarkov subject but like man the the amount of incredible people that i've met throughout my life has just been astonishing and most people wouldn't believe it uh but the metal community is just just a bunch of kind loving people man it's it's awesome i i think your uh your twitch community is a really good representation of that. I mean, it's it's kind of cool when, you know, someone resubs or there's a gift or something and, and you say horns in chat and then everyone just spams it, man. And right. that emote is, you know, the the hand signal, the traditional metal, <laughs> you know, rocking out hand signal. It's it's really cool. So um, I, I do want to come back to that, uh, that metal scene, uh, your community specifically in that later. But you said a few things that just really jumped out to me. You talked about 
the private server for a PvP event. And for anyone who hasn't competed in something or doesn't know the significance of this, um, that can seem like a really small point. But being able to control at least some of it or having some, I just, I can't even fathom how cool this is going to be. And I, I, I want to get in the tournament, right? I'll be honest. I would love to be in this tournament just simply for qualifying from using the factory map. <laughs> like the, that would be enough for me. I don't care how, how I do in the lab side. <laughs> it would just be cool to qualify based on factory. But having the ability in this game, and I have said this for so long, I think Tarkov would be one of the most amazing games if they had partners or segments of people that were allowed to have custom servers. Now, I don't know if Pestily is going to have control over these servers. Presumably, it'll be someone from Battlestate running them. But I just want to put this out there. Can you imagine if, you know, podcast communities, streaming communities, YouTube channels had the ability to get private servers or just a, you know, custom servers where they could bring community in and do things like, you know, what we see in Among Us. You could do hide and seek. You could do, you know, one PMC and a bunch of scavs. Like the 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 number of things that you could do with a community of people on a closed system Tarkov server blows my mind. And that like, I hope this tournament goes well and I hope it proves the power of a custom server for Tarkov. So I'm going to throw that to you, Dottie, because you have a large community, one that's passionate about this game, and they're very positive. It's a really cool environment. So like, how, what would you do with a custom server? How cool do you think that would be if you had access to tweak it a little bit or do something with it? So one of the things that I, that, that originally came to mind when you when we started talking about this whole private server thing, uh, I don't know if either of you are familiar with a Tarkov streamer by the name of Sigma. Mm -hmm. She puts on a tremendous event uh, with her community evasion, which is essentially like uh, a a PvP or like competition style Tarkov event. And one of the things that's always like she and I have always talked about over the years, and I know this is something that she's always wanted, was having private servers for those events because people will be tasked with objectives in her game and they all have to go into separate raids to do different tasks and perform different things you know, pick up different gear, find the boss on this map. But the thing that was always so, like, stand out about that was that everybody was on a different server, so everyone's experience was going to be different. But say you had 10 people all on the same server, all competing against each other directly, heads up, for the same objectives, for the same task items, for the same boss that you have to kill. Like, that is truly something we have yet to see in Tarkov and would be completely unprecedented. So that's why I think Pastilli's Punisher tournament coming up is so uh unique and is is going to be such a huge thing to the community. But uh but not only from the PvP competitive side of things, something that I've always often thought about while having private servers with buddies is the ability to take like various cool screenshots with one another, stage videos that you could do like you could basically simulate firefights and record that. And then use that for footage in your stream or for YouTube or, or whatever the case may be. I know Clean does a lot of that on his channel. Uh, he's got like the security cam footage and it's all like live in raid stuff that's been filmed, which is super cool. But like you even think about the, the opportunity for Machinima series. So guys like Fair TX, Aqua FPS, Junker, all those guys that do those, those video editing that they do get you know, 10, 12 people in a server that they can coordinate with 
absolute unlimited possibilities when it comes to this game. And I think yeah. that once they find a way to, to nail that, it's just going to change the game completely, especially because when when you think about it, it's 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 going to have to behave kind of like an offline raid when you think about it, like you're not going to gain any progression. You're not going to lose any progression, but you can go into a raid with all of your friends, with all of your buddies and do whatever it is that you're trying to do and just have a really good experience with it. Yeah, we've been talking about kind of over the last few episodes about this idea that what if they let you do offline raids with your friends, you know, something totally separate. You could, it could be used for so many good things. It could be used to teach people how to play. You know, you could take people in and say, this is how you need to play, whatever. But you could also do some of this more missionima type things. I actually think it's a great idea. And I wonder if this is successful, if Pestley's tournament, you know, draws a lot of views, if it, if people really respond positively to it. I wonder if Battlestate will take notice of that and potentially put in, you know, test servers, you know, other games like PUBG, they have test servers, they've got custom servers that you can make, you know, it'd be interesting to see what they do with that. Yeah, I know they just recently added the ETS, like the test server that they have, which, you know, I got into, I haven't really delved into it a whole lot. And it's technically still under NDA, so we can't really talk about it. But that's like a step in the right direction, like allowing people to try things out before before it, it hits the live server. So that's a really cool idea. But, you know, just yeah, having having the ability to Sherpa somebody through a raid on a non-live raid event would just do so many do so many positive things for a lot of the newer players that are trying to get used to the game. You know, you can show them all the X-fills. You can get them introduced to some of the boss fights. You can show them where other spawns are. Like, there's an endless amount of knowledge that one can gain from doing offline raids with your buddies without having all that added pressure of like, oh, I might, I might get shot. I might lose my gear. Oh, what am I going to do? You know, all those things that end up coming up. Uh, it's just, it's just such a wonderful idea. And I know it's been talked about for a while. So I'm really excited to see how this Pestilly uh, Punisher tournament goes to see if that's something that's going to be uh, possible for the, for the state of Tarkov. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's gotta be one of the big things that I would see for the future of the game. Like everything you're saying, I mean, Donnie, you pointed out the PvP aspect. You pointed out the content creation aspect. Uh, Eric, you pointed out the helping a friend, helping a new player. What we didn't really touch on would be the the PvE aspect, right? And and whether or not there's progression tied to it or not, I think if you had the ability to bring friends into a raid and you could, you know, force raider spawns or just, you know, tweak things around a little bit more, like you could do a lot of really cool stuff just from a PvE standpoint. Uh, without other players on a on a closed map as well. So it just seems like this is more than just a tournament. So uh, this is a great, great discussion because, Dottie, you brought up a couple things there that <laughs> I think would be would be really great. I, I, I mean, imagine that. Like, these guys are doing great cinematic stuff already, but imagine if you had a closed server where you could run tweaks and, you know, you could set stuff up that way. That would be really cool. Yeah, there's such a limitless possibility to that, and I just, I would love getting lost in some of the videos that some of these guys come up with, because a lot of the content creators in this community just have so many solid ideas. I would love to see them being able to pull more of those ideas out by simply having the space to do all that stuff. Exactly. Well, and I think one of my favorite things is is hearing where people's passion is. And I think <laughs> hearing what you just said about this private server, um, you said something else 
that I kind of want to ask you. You said that you see the Tarkov experience as being the customs, the interchange, the reserve, the, the bigger maps is the way I would say that. I love hearing what about this game people have attached themselves to or what they fell in love with, why it continues to be a game that deserves a majority of your time. What is it about those maps that you believe is the Tarkov experience? Why do you like those so much? It's it's simply the RNG. It's simply the randomness. It's simply the variance that you get raid to raid to raid, you know, whether the boss is going to be on the map, whether or not a five man's going to walk in the front of East Wing on Shoreline and you're going to empty every round of your MP7 into their heads. <laughs> you know, like there's there's so many things in Tarkov that can happen in a particular raid and with the the time cycles in the raid, the weather cycles in the raid, whether a boss is on a map, whether the Ledex that you're trying to find in 226 or, you know, 108 East is there, that's what makes it so unique for people is is that randomness. And I know that they're going to be adding uh, a dynamic loot system to Tarkov, so more loot is going to be found in more random various places. The reason why I typically refrain from labs or even factory. I'll usually play factory if I just want to do a couple of uh, slower raids. Usually, you know, take a 5-7 into factory. But labs just became too predictable. It became the same experience. And it is just not truly that survival aspect of what Tarkov is about. It seems like you've got you've just got guys with HKs, 60 round mags, Altons, and they're just they're just unloading on everything. I personally kind of like to kick back, let things flow, hit a couple long shots, then get up in someone's face like in dorms if I need to if I need to charge and clear clear a floor or something like that. And all those variances on all those maps are what are more enjoyable to me personally. Well, and you brought up dynamic loot, and then you brought up the randomness of the encounters. And I guess one of the things, if if I had to put a word on it, it would be concern. But I have a little bit of concern that truly dynamic loot would ruin some of those things that you described, right? Because when you say a five-man team running into East Wing, well, that's kind of like controlled RNG, right? Because the reason a five-man team would run to East Wing is because they're they're after the loot that's in resort. So do you think that making it dynamic, even in pockets, could have an adverse effect on some of those situations that you outlined? Possibly. From what I understand, I don't think they're going to change the loot tables that are in place already. What I think they're going to do is expand that. So that Ledex you know, might spawn in down at the pier, or it might spawn in one of the cottages, like in in other various places where you're not simply just going to one location and just trying to farm it over and over and over and over again. And that's kind of been the experience when you go into to shoreline when you're looking for a lot of Ledexes or high value loot. Like those gun battles are always over those rooms that have the Ledex because that's where they are. But throwing random loot like occasionally making a dynamic and dispersing it in other locations across the map may provide a different experience for people, you know, simply knowing that they could potentially find the loot that they're looking for for like a, a high value quest item in the town or in the, the power plant or at the weather station. Because right now, like in a map like that specifically, the majority of people 
typically tend to rush the resort because that's where the value is. That's not to say you can't find like hundreds of thousands of rubles worth of gear throughout the rest of the map, but when you're only finding things like Ledexes and stuff like that in that specific location, it just creates a funnel. And if you spawn on, I think it's the west hand side of the map where that radar station is, you're just booking it for you're just booking it for the resort. There's nothing else on that side of the map that's going to keep you interested. It's just it's just barren. It's just forest. There's a couple of stashes. There's the weather station that doesn't have a ton of ton of loot. But if you're on that side of the map, you're just booking it for resort to try and find like those Ledexes, those ophthalmoscopes, the Tetrises, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If you are able to randomly put like a Ledex or an ophthalmoscope, things things like that, and other various parts of the map, I think it would give people a bit of a rush. Like if they found something like that in a place that wasn't specifically somewhere where they thought that's where an item like that would exist. What do you think about you're talking about like uh, Ledexes? You know, we're talking the resorts loaded. And then you've kind of got these second tier loot areas, like on Shoreline or like on Customs, right? You know, what do you think about the risk versus the home run for loot in Tarkov? You know, like if you storm into a resort, you definitely have a higher chance of getting cleared out. You know, you you may be successful. You might, you know, have a higher chance of dying right away. Uh, Depending on what kind of kit you have, you could be definitely burning through expensive gear uh, on a more rapid basis. But if you pull out a Letix, it might be worth it. I mean, what's been your experience with kind of like risk versus reward with just shooting for that high tier loot? For me, like, you know, I have 70 million in rubles and like 150 million stash value. For me, the realistic thing that I'm trying to go for in a raid is try to get PvP because it's exciting and that's what a lot of audiences want to see. But I'm honestly just trying to refill my uh my ammo like i'm just trying to constantly replen the ammo that i'm using now if i wanted to avoid those kinds of things you know i could still you you can still run the the outskirts of the map and make a lot of money you might not make quite as much because you won't find the ledex or you won't find four tetrises or three water filters or things like that so it really just depends on the the, the personal objective you have going into a raid and with me and a, with me and a lot of the guys that I play with, we're looking for high impact plays. We're looking to you know secure a lot of loot that can replen you know armors and ammo that we're dumping you know constantly throughout a raid, and uh, trying to just see if we can if we can make it out and you know like put more pennies in our pocket. You know, I know I have a couple friends that have like literally three or four hundred million rubles, and at that point. Tarkov's kind of pointless. You can buy whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Those guys are literally just going in to wipe servers. That is their only objective. That is the only thing that they do. But for the majority of people, that's not realistic because they don't have that that kind of time. So, like, if you're somebody going into the resort looking to just make, you know, a couple hundred thousand rubles safely, get out, do your thing, like, you don't have to go to the resort to make all that kind of money. But it would be awesome for that guy who's running stashes to find Ledexes or, you know, other high value items in various areas that's unexpected. Gives those areas a little bit more purpose and worth checking. Yeah, it's interesting because I found that as a new player, right, about a year ago when we picked up the game, running in, storming into PvP for me, I just died all the time because there was definitely a lot of high time players that were going after the high tier loot, right? Because that's where you end up being when you, like you say, when your stash value gets so high that it doesn't matter, right? Uh, and that progression of getting better at Tarkov and getting to the point where kind of where I'm at personally now, where I'm kind of in the same boat as you, for is example, with like money wise, not level wise, but money wise, and definitely not experience wise. But I'm 
have enough money that I can run whatever kit that I want to. But I still find myself having like a little bit of fear for like taking a million ruble kit in, right? And just run right into to resort. But at the same time, you make a great point if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, at what point does money not matter? It's in the tens of millions of rubles where it really just to start doesn't start to really be an impact to you if you have to spend, you know, realistically a couple hundred thousand to re-kit out, whether it's ammo or build guns or whatever. So that's why it's interesting to get your perspective on this because you have so much experience at Tarkov that there's different types of people. There's some people who are afraid of PvP. There's some people that live for it, right? And Tarkov, I think, can support both. I've kind of had this theory that really Tarkov can support both types of playstyles. And if you really grind on Tarkov, you can make plenty of money and never really go to the high tier, high risk areas. Yeah, absolutely. But like, obviously, when you're on the uh, when you're on the broadcasting side of things, you want to find people to shoot at, right? <laughs> you know? yeah. You're yeah. trying to find the squads that you can go after. But I know I know a couple of guys that like geeks. We talked about geeks earlier. He has a great amount of wealth and knowledge. He's got some incredible YouTube videos for people to how on how to make money with avoiding PvP areas and things like that. So it just I guess it really just comes down to how you want to play Tarkov and do you want to take some of those risks to maybe get a few extra rubles out of a raid? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's really great that you were able to speak to both types of players. So I appreciate that. I got to take us back though to customs strategy because I've watched you do something on stream that it was just the other night. And I actually, I, I was like, huh, I didn't know you could do that. It turned into like this. I got to talk to daddy about this. You jumped up on top of one of the sheds, I think, kind of by Big Red, or was it uh, on the other side of Big Red by the by the train tracks? Anyways, you were on top of a building, prone shooting across the valley at Scavs. And I guess I wanted to talk to you about that. Like, how many buildings can you get on top of and how effective of a strategy is that? I mean, it was really super interesting to watch because it seems like the players that you were shooting at, or even the Scavs, your line of sight, you don't look up on top of the building very naturally. So is that something you do or is that something you just tried or talk about that for a little bit? Well, so a while back, my buddy Forecast and I would do that quite often. There's a couple of different spots that you can get up on uh, throughout the customs location. It's really helpful for getting Shooter Born in Heaven done. And I can tell you, like, I look forward to Shooter Born in Heaven just because there's there's so many spots that I utilize uh, like on each map that will help me get those 100-meter headshots, and that's one of them. What's your favorite gun to do Shooter Born in Heaven shots with? So, re- like, mostly I've been using the DVL because it's so quiet, and it's predominantly light and, and short, so it can condense to a 2x4 if you need to stuff it in a bag. Uh, I think it only weighs, like, 4.5 kilos, and it's I th- I'm pretty sure it's the quietest bolt-action sniper rifle in Tarkov. I love the T5000 Orsis, but it's like two kilograms heavier and two cells longer. And I think it's bugged right now. So even when you collapse it, it doesn't actually uh, collapse. But I personally enjoy using bolt action rifles because it's more of a challenge for me to hit headshots like that. So it's more meaningful to land a shot on target. And I have to exercise a lot more patience, precision and accuracy when I use a bolt action rifle versus saying like an SVD, it'd be pretty easy to, you know, get shooter born in heaven done having a DMR with a higher muzzle or higher uh, bullet velocity uh, to get those headshots. So like adding those little bit of challenges are what I personally enjoy in Tarkov. Now, going back to Ronald's original point about a lot of the, the buildings and customs, 
I think people just don't expect that. And I, and perhaps maybe, you know, I've run into players that didn't even realize that you could get up onto some of these things. Like you can get up onto that whole train on customs. There's, there's, you could even, at one point, you could even get on top of two story and three story dorms. Like, and I know that was exploitable. Thank you, Willers, for doing that, by the way. <laughs> uh, which I believe they patched out. So I think you can still get up there, but I think if you get down, you die. Right? Oh, it wasn't oh. that the fall damage nerf? Poss- that that makes sense. Like if you get up there, then you're gonna die if you fall. Like that that makes sense. But there's I yeah. I just think the average player wouldn't know where to look in certain instances like that. So when you put yourself in a position that is unexpected, I think that like helps boost your odds of winning that gunfight that you need to have in whichever various map that you're in. Yep, and I saw you make a shot from the new expansion side of customs all the way to gas station. I watched you make a couple of shots there and it's <laughs> <laughs> just like, and I think you said on stream, yeah, this guy has no idea what happened. Probably didn't no, even hear the oh, bullet. No, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing that kind of stuff and just finding, finding different angles to shoot from. And that new area, uh, I, I personally call it skeleton. It's just like that, that construction building that's not really, um, that's not really finished. And I always end up going to that spot in particular because it's very central to the entire customs location. I can look at Stronghold. I can look at Gas Station. I can look at the train bridge that runs in front of Gas Station all the way back to that military checkpoint. And I can even look at dorms. So if I need to keep an eye on something, that's like a very central position on that map for me to figure out, okay, where are the PMCs moving? Where are the players moving? And where can I go? to get myself some action because at this point in Tarkov, this late in the wipe, I'm personally just kind of playing for PvP. Uh, And there is another, there is a point uh, of discussion that I've wanted to talk with you guys is about item availability and scarcity in Tarkov. So I'll pose a question for you guys. What do do you guys think about item availability and scarcity in, in Escape from Tarkov? So let's do each of these. So when you say item availability, break down exactly what you mean by that. And I, I just want to make sure that we're we're talking clearly about each one of these separately. And so define it. What do you mean by item availability? Sure. So I know one of the things that the, like Battle States recently been doing has been changing the amount of like level five and up armor that you can straight up buy and or find. They've been adding in a lot of barters for people to use and to utilize. And then also the same thing with like high tier ammo, like high AP ammo, limiting that making some of it only found in raid or barter like what what's your guys take on those sorts of changes oh gosh how many cans of worms were you trying to open all of them (laughs) (laughs) um item availability is something that i think i'm gonna say this because i've been playing some wow recently with the latest expansion item availability to me is the wrong place to put the gates to gating content for me. I think there can be some of that, but it's usually tied to some sort of progress that's better to gate the progress than it is to gate the items themselves and then the items are the reward. And so right now it's tied to having the traders unlocked and having the rep to get those things or the tasks done that unlock some of those ammo and stuff like that. So 
I guess for me personally, I think that um, it doesn't matter how far you move some of these things. There will always be a segment of people that will find a way to rush and get to the meta, right? The most effective tactic available, right? That's meta. And a lot of times in Tarkov, you know, I say it all the time, it's ammo. Ammo is the thing. You know, armor will absolutely protect you and there's some things like that, but ammo, like you can be using the worst gun, but if you put the right ammo in it, it can one-shot somebody, right? An unkitted AK with BP ammo uh, can can kill somebody pretty easily. Likewise, if you have a unkitted hunter, you know, no scope, but you're throwing, you know, M61s through that or M62, like you can hurt someone. So for me personally, it's an interesting approach. I understand it. You see it all over the place. I guess I just don't think it's done well right now. I guess I don't have a good solution to it other than, you know, we've heard that the current task system happens way too quick. And if it goes persistent, it's going to be much longer to unlock these things. But I don't know how realistic that is. So I guess that's my introductory take to it is it seems like I don't even know if unnecessary is the word that I would use, but it's also hard to answer this from the end of, you know, mid to end wipe situation that we're in right now, because it feels like everyone's shooting at you with the best ammo all the time. So yeah, that's my roundabout answer. Ronald, what do you think? So I have, uh, I've got a two part answer for this. The first part with the item availability in general, it feels needlessly artificially gated to me. I think that there are some areas where getting, uh, and I'll start with the traders. There's some areas with the traders that just don't serve a purpose for the gating in my mind. So, I mean, you you can do tasks, you can play the game and get XP, you know, so you, you can play the game. But then at a certain point, especially in like the mid to late 20s, you are experienced enough to know what you're kind of doing, you know, for the most part. And you don't have access from the traders anyways. Uh, I, I'm discounting for the my first part of my answer here, the ability to just make a bunch of money and buy whatever you want off the flea. Uh, I'm talking to like the uh, FPS players that are more used to not dealing with an economy, but just want to play the game, right? You know, so it feels like it's artificially gated. To me, it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't flow well. My critique of Tarkov would be that in general, the game design doesn't feel like it flows very well. I would say on the flip side of that, I don't have as much time in game as either one of you. So I'm at level 32, but I have close to 80 million liquid and I just never have to worry about money because I've played enough MMOs in my life that if there's an in-game economy, I can latch onto it, figure it out, and I'm good to go. But that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily always storming into resort to get the Letics either. Like I'll run around the outside and do a higher percentage chance to come out with, say, 250 or 300,000 rubles eight out of 10 times versus come out with a Letex two out of 10 times. I don't know. You probably, Dottie, have a much better success rate than that. But, you know, the average, like, you know, normal player, right? And so for me in that particular uh, area, it doesn't feel like the gating of item availability makes a lot of sense because I'm at the point now where I just buy everything in the flea market, but I feel like I should be able to get that stuff from the traders, right? And I'm almost to the point where, you know, uh, the traders are most of them except for uh, mechanic. What are the 240 level traders? Yeah, or mechanic and ragman. Right? And right, yeah. So I have seven levels before I unlock them at level four. 
right? And it feels just the pacing of the game, I guess, is where I'm getting. Doesn't feel like it's quite right yet. And also, you talk about item availability versus item scarcity. You could be level one in Tarkov in your very first raid and get a lucky shot on somebody and pull out a million ruble kit, right? Is it likely? No. But could it happen if you, say, started a new account and you were level 60, right? Started a new account. If you're Pestily and starting a new account, he does it all the time, right? It's possible. So the game has the ability for everyone to have a chance in that way. But it just feels like the item availability, scaling, and scarcity doesn't match the games like everybody has a chance at level one. I don't know if I'm making sense, but this kind of how it, the this is only my second wipe, right? So getting through the process, it really felt like somewhere in the mid-20s, the game needs to be redesigned as far as the pacing goes. Yeah, there's definitely... What do you think, Dottie? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a huge jump between level 32 and 40, and the, the gear that you get after you unlock those level 4 traders is, is quite vast. That's where you're starting to get into the meta handguards, the better barters for armor and things like that, so on and so forth. The reason why I pose this question, I guess, is because people talk like there's this there's this ongoing battle in, I guess, the Tarkov community between like the streamer gamer that spends his life playing this game and then the casual guy that has five hours a week to play Tarkov. Right. What what I would like the game to try and accomplish is removing as much of that meta gear as possible. And making it more rare, so that way the average experience in a raid isn't just Xfil slick HK meta dude running around hosing people with 60 rounders, right? So when you see something like that in a raid, because it will happen, people will have those gear, those handguards, the suppressors, the ammo, the mags, the armor. But when you see something like that, it's it's worth a little bit more or it it means something a little bit more like the ultimate risk is there because you're not just going to be able to go out and find another slick again if you lose it that's kind of the thing that i've been wanting to see from tarkov is pulling back like some of that the availability of like all this meta gear the the ammo etc etc and reducing it so that the hardcore gamer doesn't have quite as much access to it as the casual gamer. Yeah. And on that exact point, one of the things that I was thinking about as you're describing that is what they've done with thermals. And I'm really, really curious now that we're into this discussion, what do you think about how they, what they've done with thermals? I personally like it because I only see a thermal optic once out of every 20 rates, maybe depending on the map that I'm playing. I can recall a time in Tarkov where it was hard to not see a thermal in a raid, and people were just too reliant on it. And people, maybe people wanted to run it because it was cool, or it was it was flashy at the time. But I personally like that, how they've made them found in raid only, or only, only acquired through like successful tasks or things like that. Or, you know, you get a lucky one out of your scav junk box or something. But the way that they handled that thermal situation is, in my opinion, a large step in the right direction. Because not only are those items like very, very helpful to the success of your your raids if you're an experienced player, but now that they're so limited, it's more impactful when you see them in a raid for once. Because now they're just not that common, and so seeing one is a lot more important. That's kind of the point that I was trying to make, I suppose. So 
that's a great follow up by talking about the thermal thing because you know it's it's kind of out of sight, out of mind because I barely see them anymore at this point in the game. Do you think it would be more meaningful than if you're running around in a raid, right? And not everyone has the meta HK or meta whatever gun at the time. If is it time to kill that you'd like to see a little bit longer, or is it something specific? You know, a piece of the way the raid unfolds. Like, what about the experience? Do you think could be better? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I'll have to think more in depth about that because. Uh... <laughs> all right, pass it. All right, all right. Trigger, trigger's giving me the signal. All right, I'm taking it this time. Your turn, boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I, I'm already like cringing over my original answer to your question, Dottie, because I like to ask the questions and then, <laughs> then I answer. Um, so I'm going to spin that into my own sort of thought here. And I do want you to come back to yours though, because here's the reason I brought up wow before. And I totally forgot why I brought it up. And then I remembered it as you guys were talking. So one of the things that I really appreciate about very seasoned MMOs and wow, is not the only one that does this. That's just the game that I'm currently playing and got into again, but they do progression gating extremely well. And Before I go into how I think it could apply to Tarkov, here's the sad part to me about Tarkov. And the the sad thing to me is that there are so many guns in this game. There are so many calibers of ammo in this game. There are so many different armors and bags and different healing items and all of these things. But the way that everything is currently unlocked for high time players or just extremely experienced players that... We're literally taking one of, I mean, how many dozens of guns are there? How many calibers have a dozen different ammo types? There's just tons of that and it it doesn't get used ever, right? Even on scavs, it's like, okay, well, I have this. And if I get out of the raid, I'm just going to sell all of it. Like if it's not, you know, BP for 7.62, I'm selling it. If it's not M80 or better, I'm selling it. And so the reason I bring that up is, you know, I hear what you're saying, Dottie, about not having that stuff be in there as often, in my mind, there would be an easy way to steal from MMOs in their progression gating. And the way that I would see it done is if they don't want to change a ton of stuff right now, what if they said week one of the wipe, you can only get one trader to level two and and maybe in one wipe, it's, you know, week one, or maybe it's not even a week, maybe it's five days, whatever gating period they want to do. But what if it was in five days, you could get therapist to level two, all of the rest remain one. And then the next five days, okay, now peacekeeping can go to two and they stair step these, right? And maybe it's two traders or whatever, but they could create these steps where now all of this extra stuff unlocks and now you have a bunch of different guns and a bunch of different parts and ooh, I have this new red dot that I've never used before because man, I just like the PK-06 and I just, I'm only going to use the PK-06 and that's meta. It's the lightest and the best, the clearest. But if, if there was some gating to that over some period of time, not only does it keep the high playtime players closer in progression to the low time players, which keeps the PvP a little more equal, it would also allow all of this development that went into the guns and the ammo and the armor and the bags to really shine. So to me, that's what I always look at is I think that 
allowing it to be unlockable from day one is what causes this issue because the people that go out and farm it and play 40 hours a week, they can sell everything and then people can farm money doing whatever they want and then they just go buy it and they completely skate having to progress, which I don't mind if someone masters the economy. That's great. But it just completely removes the need for progression, which is, I think, what Ronald was getting at was that, well, what's the point? (laughs) Why would I do that if I can do this and get access to everything? So that's kind of my take on it. And it's kind of been refreshed with my recent delve back into WoW. Right. And there's definitely that crowd in the Tarkov community that just that doesn't they don't progress. They don't care about doing tasks and stuff. They they simply just acquire everything they can off the flea market. Going back to your point, and that's kind of the thing that I was wanting to touch on with this question, was the thing that I wanted to see out of this like availability change and scarcity comment that I, I brought up was that I want to see something in Tarkov that closes the gap from the hardcore player to the casual player, so that way the guys that play 60 hours a week, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, don't always have like the best stuff available, the meta stuff available, and that the guys that are playing five to six, seven, eight hours a week, still have an opportunity to find that stuff that they can use to bring down the players that are playing for 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Kind of narrowing that gap a little bit. That's been something that I've wanted to see in Tarkov. So like when I talk about seeing less slicks and seeing less HKs in games, like I think that's something that makes the game a little bit more healthy in the long run when you're not getting a consistent meta that's just being rushed every wipe and that's just kind of how the game's been going the last few wipe cycles personally in my opinion yeah yeah because one of the things that i find really interesting about the progression in tarkov is that there are people that hate the flea market and there's people that love the flea market and there are people that don't have an opinion but don't really use it or don't understand how to use it and tarkov has so many systems you know, the description on Battlescape's website, right, says that it's a FPS game with MMO-like systems, right? Which, what does that mean? It means you're going to kind of attract a lot of different people, kind of. And because of that, it's a very difficult balancing task. But I really think that one of the things that is going to need to be addressed before the game goes, you know, 1.0, right, for sure, or the game gets completed, you know, air quotes, is the the people who have the ability to die at their keyboard, right? And after after three days, they're got their kappa and they're complaining there's nothing to do. And then the people that never make it past level 20 in the whole wipe because they just can only play for an hour or two a week, but love the game, right? Love the game. And the thing is, it's not like every game needs to be designed around casual play styles. And I'm not saying that. So if you're out there listening to this, that's not what I'm advocating for. But I think that there are other games that have enabled to bring artificial balance to the die at your keyboard versus one hour a week through gating and it's just it it doesn't hurt the people that can play 60 hours because they can still play 60 hours it's just that your level of gear or level of what's available and maybe even tasks maybe you can only do five tasks a week or something or some uh, some artificial time frame that there's some average right there's an average number that people play whether it's five hours a week or 10 hours a week but you know any more than that and then you have to take a look at okay it's probably on one end of the bell curve, right? If they get to a point where they even consider that kind of data, I think the experience gets better for everybody. But Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear what you think about that. You brought up, the thing that caught my attention the most was your mentioning of the flea market. Do you think the flea market 
caters to that uh, and allows for people to remain competitive in that gap because my opinion, I'm one of those guys that have been playing Tarkov since point two after the game just came out of alpha. I remember the experience that Tarkov provided before the flea market, and I gotta tell you, it was a lot more rewarding and it was a lot more satisfying. Now, it just seems like a lot of people just want to go on the flea market, alright, I'm gonna spend 1500 rubles for this, this round, and so on and so forth, and then I'm gonna put whatever kit I want together and just go play it. And like, I get, I, I see how that's appealing for a lot of people, but I personally think that the flea market should just be limited to quest and barter items specifically. I think you should take ammo completely out of it, in my personal opinion, but um, I'm wondering if the way that the flea market is set up now would change the answers that you have as far as like gating and progression goes. It's an interesting question. I'll I'll give you kind of a 75% answer because I'll be honest and say that I don't have enough time in the variety of how Tarkov has been to probably have as educated of an answer as you do. But I can tell you from my perspective on what the flea market has done for my experience in game to allow me to participate. And maybe that would be a good place to start. I think that as a you know, a medium time player, the flea market in Tarkov's current form allows you to be even remotely competitive. Because right now, people can die at their keyboards on the, you know, as soon as the wipe happens and they're level 60, four days into the, into the wipe, and they're running to all the high tier loot and they're taking it all. And you are still wearing a scav vest and rocking, you know, a hunter and you have no chance. You have to get to level 10 and you have to play around that mechanic and that play style in order to get enough money to even build a gear set that's even close. And because of the trader system unlock progression, which is what I was talking about before, being kind of inconsistent at the very least, I don't have access to even good armor, good guns, good gear at the traders for a long time, right? It takes me a while to get to that point. So the flea market is this band-aid system that kind of levels the playing field, kind of, but not really, but kind of at times. And it is definitely good for someone like me. It can be abused by someone who plays more than I play, for sure, uh, to just always have, you know, whatever the best is. Because if, if, if you can afford it or not, I think, though, that if Tarkov wants to keep the current progression system and the current task system, at least from levels 1 to 30, you have to have a flea market. Otherwise, there's no way that a low-time player will ever be even competitive in this game. You, you, you have no chance because people can race through the early game and be so kitted and so geared that if they're wearing level 5 or level 6 armor and running the best ammo and you have a level three, you know, floral pattern armor on, and you're running like, you know, an army helmet, right? You have no chance. And, and right now in Tarkov, that is how the game works. A week after the wipes out, the people that play the most are complaining there's nothing to do because they've played 60 hours. And it may take a low time player eight to 10 weeks to play 60 hours. And I think that that's probably the biggest problem. So if you were to say, should the flea market be removed, in my opinion, I would play the game without the flea market, but I would not play the game in its current form without the flea market because it wouldn't be any fun. And I honestly, I would get slaughtered. Tarkov is fun for everybody on the wipe for about four hours the first day. That's when it's even. (laughs) 
And then, af- and, you know, but after that, after about four to six hours, I noticed there was already people who were level like 15, 16, who have pushed a bunch of tasks and they were already, you know, on that next level of gear. And then it's like, okay, well, we're just getting back to this. Now I have to grind, you know, to stay at, keep up with it. So that's just my opinion. Oh, you and your cans of worms there, Mr. Hack. <laughs> um, I, I, I agree with a lot of the 75% that Ronald gave. I think that the the thing that I always look at when this conversation goes here is there's a number of things. And I don't think any of this is good or bad. I'm just trying to put out what I've seen and what the history of the game is, right? So when you say the game was super rewarding back then and there was it just felt more rewarding to you, I could look at a year ago when I started this game and I had a good raid, it felt way more rewarding to me then. And the game is pretty similar comparatively from when I started and now compared to when you started and now. So there's that. The other thing I would look at is that version of the game was for a certain number of players, um, a small percentage compared to the players now. And the the thing to ask is if you if you like the gameplay right now and you remove the flea market, you have to ask the question is, okay, do you want players to find the game like Ronald and myself? Now, I don't know. Ronald may may have played the game without a flea market, but I'm an FPS player. I played Counter-Strike. I played tons of PUBG, and I have an MMO background. I was in and out of WoW over many years. And the thing that got me to Tarkov was the flea market. No questions. It was the fact that there was an economy because I love the economy in World of Warcraft. I love being able to manipulate it. I love being able to mess with it. I like price setting. I like battling other traders, people that are heavy auction house users in that game. And so the fact that that was even remotely available in Tarkov made me think that I want to check this game out. And so I probably would not have even touched this game without the flea market. So that that's just a question. Do you want people like me in the game? I don't mean to attach you to that, Eric, but um, I wouldn't have touched this game without the flea market. I can tell you that. So that's something, someone that considers the flea market to be negative in that regard. You have to ask that question. Do you want players like me in the game? And if the answer is no, that's, that's fine, but you won't have us joining the game or finding it. Right. Which again, not necessarily good or bad. I'm just putting it out there. But I think the piece, Ronald, that you brought up that I most resonate with is in the current state of the game without progression gating of some kind, I think there has to be a flea market because it is the only way that low time and high time players can be even remotely close. If there was some sort of progression gating, you may not need the flea market because it would incentivize people to learn what's available. Or let's say we're week four in and the traders can be leveled up to level two each with one up to level three. And that's just an example. I'm not saying this is the way they have to do it. But if somebody found the game and joined and it was like, oh, okay, well, I can grind and get all my traders to level two and one to level three and everybody else is stuck right now, fine. But it forces you, it would force you, you'd have an incentive to learn what's on the traders and what they're offering. And oh, next week they unlock this. That's awesome. It's going to do da-da-da-da-da. And it would open up this massive new content channel of, hey, week seven, here's what's coming. Here's what you can do. Here's going to be my favorite build that I want to try out. It's just something that they could tweak. And it's like, okay, well, man, Peacekeeper unlocking week six is OP because now people get this. 
Like it, it would just change things dramatically. But I think, Ronald, you bringing up the fact that right now it is the equalizer. And Dottie, what you want as a veteran player for it to be closer together. And I think the flea market and the progression systems being ungated are super closely linked okay. as it relates to scarcity. Okay. One of the things that I know that Battlestate has changed to the loot tables recently was the introduction of armors and helmets and whatnot into those stashes into those like into the duffel bags and things like that and i i personally feel like that idea needs to be expanded on in tarkov not only just with armor and helmets and whatnot but ammo types and things like that because i feel like those things help the casual player as well being able to find that stuff and rate and not have to be worried about being gated by a level lock or you know having to spend an absurd amount of money for that same item on the flea market and i think that the continuation of that idea would would help continue to close that gap i get the i get your guys's point of not completely removing the flea market and maybe I would just like to see a different instance of the flea market where they're taking away like the ammo sales or, or whatever the case may be. But I've always been a proponent of more stuff in raid, like put the emphasis of the game on the raid itself and not the flea market. But I see how the flea market helps elevate some of the casual players that are the 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 players that don't have as much time in order to remain competitive against the no life keyboard warriors like myself so <laughs> well one of the interesting things that they did and i in given this conversation i'm really curious what you think they introduced that level 5 armor for like 100 grand 100,000 rubles uh, what do you think about that armor? And uh, it's very repairable, which is very friendly to everybody, including low time players, you know. So, you know, what did you think about that as a step to try to bridge this gap? I personally love it. I, I think it's on the low end enough for people to, to buy it, trust it and run it, especially with their expensive M4s or if they're running an MP7 or a VAL or an FAL. Uh, it does repair really well. And I've noticed like I can have one zeroed out and it'll repair to 44.3 out of 45. But as far as that armor goes in raid, I do consider it kind of like a one and done. Like you get hit in the chest with a Mosin round. That armor is going to be pretty susceptible if you go into your next gun battle. But for its price point, I think it's perfect. And for the class armor that it is. So I think that's a win in helping like bridge that that gap that we're continuing to have this conversation about and i would like to see more things like that being introduced into the game that makes makes those those with less time more viable and even putting that armor at a lower level lock so that way people can get access to it a little bit more earlier without having to spend as much time without getting stuck between level 32 and 40 without having access to it because that's kind of the big thing is your huge jump and i know you you touched on this point earlier the huge jump is between that level three and level four uh, trader availability, especially with Ragman, because that's where the good armor's at. That's where the good barters are at. And to add to that point, I think some of those barters should come down uh, in level lock as well so that people have more access to that that aren't getting to spend as much time on the game. Well, it's interesting because I, your point about the game feeling rewarding has made me think about this in a slightly different way, especially because I can relate to the idea of wanting to play something that is a little bit harder, but with more of a specific purpose, I guess. And what I think Tarkov 
is having trouble with in its current iteration, and they may change this, is that it really feels like you're just grinding to get to a certain point where you just have more money than you need to worry about. It just feels like it's just not balanced. And I keep coming back to this idea that the pacing of the game doesn't feel great to me. And and I think that that is the root of the problem, because if the pacing of the game was different from a number of perspectives, you wouldn't need the flea market. And there's so many items in Tarkov. They've done such a good job at making the gun so configurable and that so much of it's not used. And it's just, and I imagine without the flea market before, it probably was a lot of more of it was used because I've seen you go to traders and build guns and just fly through the menus. And I'm like, what is he doing? Yeah. You know, and it, and it that has to come from necessity, right? Before all of this existed, that was the way you played the game. And to me, that seems like that would be a lot of fun because you do have the survivalist aspect of what Tarkov is supposed to be. Plus, you have to make a choice, especially on the ammo side. And you have to make a choice, right? If you're going to take really good ammo in, you either have to craft it or find it in, in that scenario. You can't just go buy it. Now, it, now that definitely hurts a low time player in the current form of the game. If the game was different, it may not attract the same amount of people or it may attract a different person, but I can see how it would be re- more rewarding if it if it was different in, in that way. So, I mean, it's interesting to me because I don't know if I would personally like it. I'm still trying to figure that out, but I can see how it could be more rewarding. Right. And you, you talked about you talked about that that ammo choice, right? Being the the the, the biggest risk that you take when you go into Tarkov or, or go into a raid. If you're bringing in that ammo that is so expensive and so effective that it's 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 highly coveted, right? So removing its availability and making it something that's more scarce, maybe where it's only found in raid or you can only craft it with like a certain recipe helps i think lower that that gap between the person with 5 hours and the person with 50 hours obviously with with ammo and whatnot and armor that's kind of like mid-tier that most people have access to that seems like that's a healthy area for the game to exist but once you start getting into an area where everyone's just holding on to slicks and m995 or or whatnot then that's where like those players just 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 stomp all over the uh the casual so if you have those extremely effective items armor ammo whatnot only found in raid and there's no other way to attain it it gives it so much more value but also doesn't specifically promote you know that that the 60 hour player is always going to find it right you know and the person with less time still has an ample opportunity to find those types of things within the game i think that's kind of been the the direction i've wanted to see this this go in terms of the way that the game is uh in its current state yeah i i struggle with a point that each of you made regarding that because i guess again we're talking about the ways the game could go and we've we're talking like four alternate universes now right (laughs) but i guess when we talk about like no flea market and trader viability let's start there and learning how to buy those parts off of traders that flies directly in the face of making the game raid focused right especially from a new or low time player perspective 
right? You can fly through the menus and build a gun, but a new person coming in that doesn't have the current, you know, weapon building function or doesn't have the flea market, like, yeah, they're going to have to learn it and they're going to have to want to learn it. But you spend that much time outside of the raid. And if you only have an hour or two to play, you're, you're not going to play this game. And that's, again, alternate universe. Maybe that's the way. When we're talking about ammo and stuff only found in Raid, I don't see that as bringing the low playtime and high playtime closer, right? And I think right now there's a pretty good balance, right? At the near, in the middle to the end of the wipe, I think the interesting part right now is that the lower time players are progressing into the mid game or well into the end game or have as much money as they want. And now you have people that are high playtime and push to this meta stuff. And now you're dealing with maybe low time players that are very skilled at FPS. And so this is when this these feelings rise up as like, oh crap, now it's, it is actually even everybody has access to this really good stuff and I'm dying more, right? And I experienced that to some extent. But I don't know that saying just making it scarcer brings that any closer. I think it brings it farther away unless you have truly dynamic loot at that point. Because if you're just saying, well, oh, if you can only find that ammo find and raid, well, then the high time player is going to run reserve over and over and over and over and over and just going to have stacks of the ammo again. And the low time player who's still stuck at level seven and the high time player has pushed levels again, like it's just worse then because now you've removed the access for the low time player and the high time player has just farmed it. Yeah, I think my point is that Tarkov in its current form, at least my opinion, is that we couldn't make that change. They would have to do some kind of pacing change and gating change with levels. I'm not sure if Tarkov really even needs levels. That's an interesting thing to think about. I'm not sure what the leveling system really does. The tax system could be changed to give different rewards, and maybe it could be focused more around the trader unlocks. Because experience means nothing. Level really means nothing other than just an artificial gating system for the hideout, you know, and for the traders. Um, I agree with Trigger in the sense that the game in its current form, you couldn't take the flea market out. But what I was saying before is that if they made a change, I could see the flea market not being necessary. And that would also require changing the barter items needed for tasks or whatever, and dynamic loot so that dynamic loot really is a game changer. Because right now, everyone heads to the three rooms in, Sh- in Shoreline Resort to get the Ledex. Well, what if the dynamic loot meant the Ledex had spawned in a stash in the woods? You know what I mean? And, and I think that dynamic loot would change the paths of the people who have the game memorized in its current form, which would make it more interesting for them, right? And the people who don't have it memorized wouldn't know any different. They'd be, they would be excited because now they're finding things in other places. I think that one of the things they talked about, I think this was back in May, April or May, they had heat maps of the, where players go on the big outdoor maps like Shoreline and Woods and Customs. And they had ways of looking and seeing how most of the map, specifically on Shoreline, was never getting used. And so their their thought process with Sanitar was to have him spawn in a couple different places on purpose, <laughs> you know? There's a lot of different things, right, that go into that. But my point being in saying that is if we want to change the experience in Tarkov and change the the loot scarcity and make the game feel more rewarding, some of the systems just have to be changed. It rewards time played, hands down, right now. And it's just, I don't think, I don't think it can be like that and then get rid of the equalizers for time played. I've never played a game that successfully bridged that gap without gating content, I guess is my point. Interesting. 
The thought that I have regarding like truly dynamic loot, if it was things can spawn anywhere, they have a low percentage chance to spawn anywhere, but maybe at the resort, Athletics has a 6% higher spawn rate, right? So in any place in the resort, right? So you'd still have hotter areas, but the guy that's running stashes could have a chance to find one. I think the interesting question in my mind because I can argue either side of this all day long, but I think about how big some of these maps are. And if we enter dynamic loot into it, it makes me wonder if that would really hurt the PvP natured player. Because, you know, you might have people that just, you know, completely avoid everything because they know, you know, like to your point, Dottie, you said it earlier, like you can avoid PvP areas and take out hundreds of thousands. I mean, I've perfected this on Interchange. Ronald, I know you've perfected it on Shorelines. We have high consistency scav runs and PMCs may end up doing that in a dynamic situation because like, oh, well, if I go hit all the Jaeger statues and avoid everybody, I got a, you know, 5% chance of Aletics, which means every 20 raids, I'll find one and I can live 90% of the time. And if you have four or five guys doing that in a raid, I wonder if that hurts the PvP on the map. And there's a delicate balance right now, you know, and we've gone away from saying Rat and Chad, but it still comes up. But you have these bunch of different play styles, right, all over the place. And right now, they seem to coexist pretty well, right? You don't really feel like one is overpowered. And if someone wants to run labs all day, that's fine. They don't affect me on interchange, yeah. right? And the person that wants to farm Killa and then exfil and farm Killa again doesn't really affect my playstyle on interchange. So it's it's interesting how right now everyone kind of coexists pretty well. And I think some of the hesitation on Battlestate's part is I bet they see that. You know, we don't know the player numbers. We don't know how many people have retained, but raids have been launching like crazy still, right? There's no map that's not launching. So I got to imagine it's a little bit more challenging than just like, oh, let's try this. Because if you go one way too hard, you could completely alienate a massive chunk of the player base and see those numbers drop dramatically. Yeah, and to your point, I have noticed, at least as far as my raids go, I've noticed a total number of PMCs that I encounter at this point in time slightly decreasing. Whether that's the player base not being as prominent as it has in, in, in times past, or the way that players kind of navigate the map and how they traverse through different areas has changed. But I will say, like, on a given raid, with the exception of the big red side on customs, because if you spawn over there and you're looking for PvP, you can end up fighting six or seven players, at it, like, within the first five minutes of the raid. But, you know, when I think about my experiences on Shoreline and my and my experiences on Interchange and Reserve, the amount of PMCs that I, that I run into on, a, like, a raid-to-raid -raid basis has has sort of, like, dropped a little bit so I, I i am curious to see if this dynamic loot system that gets added into the game would would pull that down even further by telling players okay i can still find very high successful or have high successful uh loot runs by avoiding all these pvp areas so i'm very very uh very interested to see how that would affect the game yep i actually i i wonder as well because people spawn in and run directly towards certain areas. And one of the other things that I've been really uh, interested to talk to you about is actually when people spawn in and run to a certain area, you know, on, on most maps, right? Customs, they've got a place. Shoreline, you got a place. But Trigger and I have been talking about woods the last couple of episodes and honestly, how we're both awful at it. <laughs> and 
The Woods expansion that's coming out, I'm really curious, do you know, can you share, or what is your opinion on, is Woods going to be relevant or interesting from a loot perspective more than it is now? Is the pathing through the map going to be different? You know, kind of switching topics a little bit, but I really wanted to get this into this show because we have been talking about Woods uh, for the last couple episodes and uh, really would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, um... I know that that's one of the big things that's coming up next, and I'm surprised we didn't get to touch on this a little bit earlier, but I am extremely excited for the Woods expansion. The way that I feel that Woods is right now, it's very linear, and it all just depends on which side you spawn on. Whichever side you spawn on, you're going one way around the curve. If you're on the opposite, you're going the other way around the curve. And all that loot is kind of dead center in the map, uh, in that lumberyard, if, if Sturman's there. Is he going to have a Red Rebel? You know, what's his stash going to have? And I really, I I just can't wait as a person, as a sniper myself in Tarkov, I can't wait to see it get expanded and have more points of interest and have multiple paths for PMCs to kind of traverse through that map. Because right now, it really only feels like there's one or two ways to go. And it just, like I said, it just depends on what side you spawn on. Yeah, that's that's kind of been our feeling as well as I've kind of gone into it and uh, tried to learn it, right? I My goal going in was, you know, learning the current pathing so that when it gets expanded, I have that kind of comfort on the map. And you kind of said it, right? The, the additional path or having something else to do or having an alternate option, you know, rather than just coast or wall. Yep. <laughs> right? yep. There's just mm-hmm. nothing else. And the 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 space between the coast and the wall at at the lumber camp is tiny. I mean, as a sniper in a couple spots, you can cover almost the entire thing. And I, I find that interesting. So, is wood something that later in the wipe you tend to just avoid, or what? What do you want to see, like in the woods expansion? What do you want to see? Maybe that's a better question. If I'm being perfectly honest, I just go to woods to hit long range shots. Like if I want to hit 200 plus, 300 plus meter shots, like that's just kind of a map where I know where I have sight lines to see people at at longer distances. Uh, There's a chance for that. There's a boss fight with the expansion coming. I just want to see more points of interest. I want to see more paths and I would love to see different sight lines that people can utilize to have longer range combat. And that's kind of the thing that sets Woods apart from most other maps is it's the it's the sniper map. It's the map where you want to bring out your your long rifle to shoot long distances. So playing into that map as it is, adding more points of interest, I, I believe from the things that I have heard and the speculation was that they were going to expand the map like kind of around the lake. I don't know if that's true or not, but it would just be a, such a unique experience to have multiple places with 400 500 plus meter sight lines with multiple points of interest the boss having multiple locations to spawn like we talked about with sanitar and shoreline uh because as as that map is right now you know you do your quests there and then you go play it if you want to shoot like long distances but outside of that you know it's not a map where you're going to make a lot of money it's it's not a map that has like a lot of replayability to it so that has been the map that has desperately needed an overhaul. So I am looking forward to that and uh, seeing what they end up deciding to do with that map. Yeah. And, it, 
you know, we've we've so we've got the woods expansion on the horizon. We've got streets of Tarkov somewhere in the future. We've got new guns teased. You know, without without going to in depth on all of those because we're we're into this now. But um, what I guess what are you most looking forward? And if it's woods, that's fine. Uh, but what are you most looking forward to, and why of the stuff that we've heard from Battlestate over the last couple of months that has yet to hit the game? Well, I'm really excited for Woods to get that expansion. It's been the map that's needed it the most. I'm very interested for a couple of new rifles that they're coming out with. The Chris Vector being the one SMG I cannot wait to get my hands on. They just teased a 300 Blackout caliber, which I've had the fortunate opportunity to uh, shoot IRL. And it is a phenomenal caliber to shoot. It has very low recoil. It is It is quiet. It's quieter than a mouse on Christmas Eve. And uh, obviously, the big one that everyone's waiting for is Streets of Tarkov. So, like, I'm just excited for the mayhem that will ensue when that map comes out. It's awesome. It's funny, man. It it feels like it's been announced for so long that it's like it it almost doesn't exist right now. (laughs) You know, and I think it's going to drop and just explode everybody's mind. And I don't know why they did that press release over the summer for the map. Like, if the map wasn't ready... Why would you go through all this trouble publishing this this hype? Like you would think, and I I certainly thought this was that that map was pretty much ready to go, and we were going to wait one or two more months, and then Streets of Tarkov was going to be here. But here we are, six months later, still no word. So I'm just like, what was the decision? Why why was that the decision that was made? So all in all, very excited for that map, and I hope we get it Q1, Q2 of next year because this community definitely needs it. We've been waiting for a very long time. Yeah, no doubt. Well, man, I uh, I'll say I'll say my thanks. I I really appreciate you coming on. I mean, it's a blast to talk through this stuff. I mean, this is stuff that you know we we talk back and forth all the time. But it's awesome to have a fresh take and and to challenge some of the things that I think about. I know Ronald as well. But I just want to say thank you for coming on. And and what we do at this point in the show is. I want to just give you the floor, and what I'd ask of you is to let everybody know where they can find you, your social media, your Twitch, and and what I want you to tell everybody is what they can expect. You know, it's been a long time since we've had you on the show. Um, I love coming into your Twitch channel and seeing people that listen to the show still and having conversations there, but uh, for someone that hasn't been there, let people know what they can expect and, and how to find you, man. Cool. Well, first thing I want to say is, you know, thank you both uh, Trigger and Ronald for inviting me back on the show. I've been dying to come and sit down and talk with you guys again. Always look forward to seeing you guys. Uh, For those that are listening out there, please share this with a friend. Uh, These guys put on a great show. They do a lot of hard work. I would definitely appreciate it if you showed a buddy or two, especially if they want to get introduced to Escape from Tarkov. These guys, these guys know their stuff. As far as me, uh, you guys can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash dottiehack. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, twitter.com backslash dottiehacktv. I pretty much go live uh, almost every day around 2 p.m. Pacific, with the exception of maybe some Saturdays and Sundays I like to take off to just kind of relax. Uh, and if you guys want to have, if you guys want to find like a really cool environment to listen to some awesome music, uh, some awesome gameplay in Escape from Tarkov. I would love to have you guys swing by and have a chat with you. Absolutely. 
Well, before we do get out of here, I want to take uh, just a moment to say thank you very much for being on the show. We absolutely love you having you here. And uh, I enjoy your stream a lot. So I'm going to personally also plug your stream and say that uh, it's one of my personal favorites. I, I definitely lurk a lot, you know, while I'm working and really enjoy your community. It's a positive community of just awesome people. And it's just great. And so I think it's one of the best places on Twitch to go hang out. So Thank you once again for spending some time with us. And everybody who's listening to this, go check out Dottie's stream. It's great. Thank you, guys. Thank you. But besides that, as always, we're starting to see the green bar flash, which means that we are moments away from disappearing. But before we do, if you're brand new to the show, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. Really appreciate it. If you have not joined the Xville Discord yet, we want to encourage you to join the community. We're almost 1,500 strong, and it's a great community for talking Tarkov or PUBG, a couple other games. There's always people looking for groups or playing and just hanging out. So come come join us, be nerds. It's a lot of good time. Also, if you have trouble with your computer, like we talked about in hideout keeping, we definitely have a help desk section there of folks willing to help you optimize and get Tarkov running great. But besides that, remember you can find us on iTunes and Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora very soon, Google Talk, Deezer. Basically, there are so many places that you can find an audio podcast. Just start one and then you'll find out how many places you have to post it. And of course, you can watch this version of the show, the talk show version, where you can see Dottie live and in person with Trigger and I on youtube.com slash Now. Encourage everyone to leave a comment there or leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps spread the show and tell the algorithm that, hey, you know, let's get some more people uh, listening to it. And besides that, as always, good luck in your raids, and we hope that you have a good week, and we'll see you next time. I totally forgot to mention Dottie's hair. <laughs> <laughs> leave it. Leave it for the outro. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. What'd you do to it? <laughs> oh, man. I, I, just, I just got tired of dealing with it. I got tired of my hair being all over the place. I wanted it to be, you know, I, I just wanted to keep it clean, keep it simple, have some sort of style to it, but I didn't want to have too, too much anymore. It was just getting to be nice. too much maintenance, you know? Totally <laughs> <laughs> forgot. It was like the last thing we said before going live on this. Anyway, guys, hey, hope you have good raids this week. Make sure to check out Dottie. We'll see you guys all very soon. Bye.